Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, get ready to hear from God. Go ahead. And you may be seated. We are in a series entitled, Good, Good Father. And today we're going to talk about what it means to be a good, good listener. Now, how many believe that we have a good, good father? Amen. How many believe we serve a good, good father? Can I hear a louder amen? But let me make sure you heard me right. I said, serve, serve, serve a good, good father. So if you said amen, I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask him, where are you serving? Go ahead. Put a little guilt on him. That's all right. All right. So here's the thing, right? There are post, or shall I say there are pre and post conditions to experiencing the fullness of God's goodness. I mean, I say fullness because there are blessings that are not conditioned by us doing some type of uh, performance. As a matter of fact, it is more due to our underperformance that we need these types of blessings. Of course, the most important precondition to be born again, and then there are pre-performance blessings that come with that. For example, how many are happy to know that you are saved by grace? That's Ephesians chapter 2. How many are happy to know that you became, when you became born again, you were sealed until redemption? That's Ephesians chapter 3. How many are happy to know that Jesus has a hold on us and won't let anything or anyone rip us out of his hands? That's John chapter 10. How many are happy to hear about that? And those are those conditions that we automatically receive the moment that we become born again. But I have to probably admit in my personal opinion, this is the best one of them all. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 1.30 where the Bible talks about how he sanctified you the moment you became born again. It says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption. Isn't it amazing that we get all those blessings the moment we become born again? I like the way the New Living Translation lays it out. It says, God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. God made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from sin. Isn't it interesting that the word made there is mentioned three times? And here's the thing. This word is in line with the word make, meaning you do not have control over these things. He does it out of grace. You can declare right now, I am blessed. Go ahead. Turn to your demon and tell him you are blessed. Go ahead. Tell him. But. Let's turn to another side to this because there is a responsibility that we as believers must take on if we are going to experience the fullness of God's goodness. And it boils down to how you answer this one question. And that one question is, are you a good listener? Okay. Hence, good, good listener is the title of this sermon. So for our study today, I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, I believe the whole scripture that we'll be reading is in your notes. But go to Matthew chapter 7, a very familiar story that we're going to read. But I hope I can shine another light and and, and just reveal some things that I really believe is going to encourage us, challenge us, and even leading, guiding us as to how to listen 
to God, okay? It lays for us the criteria for what happens when we become good listeners from a father who wants to give us not just fatherly advice, but to help keep the enemy at bay. Question, how many of us want to keep the enemy at bay? That's a good thing, by the way, okay? A good father will give us the kind of advice that will make us wise, and there is always good, a good windfall that comes from that. So here's what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Everybody say, puts them into practice. Because that is the key right there. And here is, it is, here is the result of a person who not only hears the word of God, but puts them into practice. Jesus continues saying, It is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, verse 25, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Everybody say the rock. rock. Now, I want you to think about what the Bible is talking about here when it says the rock. And then I'm going to come back and tell you what exactly it's talking about because it is probably not what you're thinking, okay? I just thought I'd throw a little mini cliffhanger out there already, right? All right, so here's what it says. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Everybody say, great crash. Now, check this out, okay? You just can't ignore this. So, already, Jesus is saying that when we don't, put God's word into practice, we pretty much, depending on what version you have of the Bible, what he's telling us is that it pretty much, we end up in ruin. Okay, that's kind of interesting. So what type of ruin are we talking about? We'll get to that a little later. Now, there is by far the most, or there is by far the most mismessage of this lesson right from the start. Because here's what the Bible is saying. They both heard the word, so the rock is not the word of God. I'm going to repeat that, okay, and then I'm going to clarify, okay? They both heard the word, so the rock is not the word of God because you notice that they both heard the word, but there were two different reactions. So, here it comes. It's the application. Everybody say application. It's the application of the word of God that not becomes the rock, but is the rock. So, the application is the rock. Are you hearing me this morning? And I want to make sure you really get that because unless there is application, guess what? It completely nullifies anything that you're going to hear, okay? Let us not ignore the fact that the scripture is talking about two individuals. Everybody say two individuals. Now, here it comes. Are you ready? How many of you know that right now, this morning, every single one of you represents one of those two individuals? Say amen even if it hurts because you know it's true. So after today's sermon, you need to decide which one of those two is you. Amen? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Pastor Vega is going to keep it really real today. Go ahead. Amen. Man, I just had Cheerios for breakfast, by the way. That's all I had. Okay? So we now know that, you know, we represent one of these two individuals. Now, there's a lot of good 
that will come out of being a, a listener and a doer. I mean, we're already experiencing good with the grace benefits, but God wants you to experience the total package. Can I ask you a question? How many want to experience the total package from God? I'd have to say we all do, right? But like I said, but there's some conditions, okay? So to experience the fullness of God's goodness, write your first line, write the first one down. Your house needs to have a strong foundation. It's got to have a strong foundation. The interesting thing about this story is that we're talking about two individuals, whether man or woman, okay, doesn't matter who, being in the same place. How many are in faith church this morning? Okay, how many are awake at faith church this morning? Okay, there we go. The Pentecostals just woke up. That's good. Okay. All right. So we're in the same place, listening to the same word. How many are hearing Pastor Vega this morning? Same place, same word, going through the same storms. How many of us have trials from time to time? Okay. But having different results. Why is that? We can hear the same thing in the same place, but yet have different results. I'll tell you why. It's all in the application. It's what you do with what you hear. We can definitely see that the key is in the application and not just the hearing. The question that we all have to answer ourselves is, are we building our spiritual life on sand or on the rock? I don't know much about construction, okay? So don't invite me over your house to fix something or even build something because it's probably going to not end up right. That is not my specialty. I do know one thing, though. How many of you know that cement starts off like sand? Is that correct, all you construction guys out there? It's just like almost like powder, right? And it doesn't become hard or become of any value until you add what? You got to add water. Then you mix it, you let it sit for a while, and all of a sudden, okay, uh, it becomes strong and a foundation. My point is this. Right now, you're getting water. You got to let it resonate so that it becomes, so that the word of God can become a foundation in your life. But then you have to put it to use. Isn't it interesting that you talk talking about, like, if you're a construction guy and you say, look at this wonderful block of stone that I just did. Isn't it wonderful? But it's not going to have any value unless it's sitting under something. Are you hearing me? See, the word of God has to be applied somewhere in order for it to have value even in your life. The Bible, you know, for many, is just a book like any other book until it is applied. That's when it becomes alive. This is what is happening with the two individuals of this story. So you have to ask, what is the difference? The two heard the same word. But the one is defined as the wise man because he acted on it, okay? The one defined as the fool is the one that heard the word but did not act on it. Now, I got to tell you something. I got a little curious with this word fool or foolish. So I decided to do a little commentary research on this particular word. And the reason why I did that was because when I read one commentary that was explaining what the word fool or foolish meant, I was like, Struck I was like, really? So I read a few other commentaries, and there was some consistency with this. So uh, here's the thing. What Christ is saying, because the word fool or foolish here in this scripture, you know what it means? It means crazy. It means crazy. So what Christ is saying is that it is crazy to hear the word and not apply it. 
Okay? Look at the person next to you and ask them, are you crazy? Go ahead. Just ask them. It's okay. They'll handle it. Because that's what Christ is saying. He's saying, if you hear this and you don't apply it, you're crazy. Okay? It's like the crazy ways we love to say no to God when God wants to draw us to a particular need. Christians have a very interesting way of saying no. They sort of like spiritualize it. You ever notice that? Christians are, are experts are at spiritualizing the word no. For example, you know, we, you've heard all the needs. You know, whether it's parking lot, children, ushers, or greeters, and, we're, and we put it out there, and your response is, well, I don't think it's God's will. It's just not his timing. So my question to you is, God is not asking. He is telling. So when is, when, when, when is it ever going to have the right? How many know the time is always right? Can I hear an amen out there to serve God? The time is always right to serve God. Or how about this one? I'm feeling led in a different direction. My goodness, it looks like you've been lost for a long time because I haven't seen you serve anywhere. Are you hearing me this morning? Interesting how we spiritualize these answers. Or how about this one? Okay, let me talk to my pastor about it. Not, because you know if you come to me or Pastor Frank, you know what our answer is going to be. But it's amazing how we spiritualize all these answers. Or how about this one? Oh, it's a closed door. How many know that when a door closes, another one opens? Can I hear an amen out there? So don't be with, oh, you know, well, it's a closed door. Or how about this one? I am waiting on the Lord. What, are you going to wait till the rapture? By then, it's too late. But, it, but it's interesting how the need is out there, but we continually spiritualize these no's. Or don't feel a peace about it right now. I'm like, what does that mean exactly? Okay. Or how about this one? This is a very popular one. Not in that season anymore. Since when does God operate in seasons? Now, I hear people talking about there's a season for this, there's a season for that. But if you're using that season thing not to serve, then I'm not sure what word you are hearing. Because you're a part of the body of Christ. Amen. And as a body, we all have a function. But my favorite one of them all is... Here it comes. Are you ready? Let me pray about it. Let me pray about it. I mean, days go by, weeks go by, months go by, years go by. That's a long prayer, man. Are you hearing me? My question to you is, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, is that the answer you're going to give up? Now, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. I'm trying to challenge you. Turn your neighbor and say, God is trying to challenge you this morning. Go ahead. You know, because he's not going to entertain any excuses, you know, and we have to be careful with that. Now, how many know there's a blessing in serving? There really is. I've seen God do, you know, people are asking God to perform miracles and do so many things. And you'd be surprised how many breakthroughs people experience when they begin to serve the kingdom of God. So we need to stop saying no to God when he's trying to get our attention or draw us to a need. Jesus is saying, you're crazy if you say no to me when I never say no to you, especially when you ask me to come into your life. You know, I've always thought, you know, uh, you know, when you think about this, right, how many people are spirit-filled this morning? Can I hear any men out there? Let me ask the question again. How many people are spirit-filled? Can I hear a convincing amen out there? Oh, I like that one. Okay. Here's the thing. Are you ready? If you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, you should know then that we should not have to beg you to come to church. We should not have to beg you to pray. And we should not have to beg you to serve. Are you hearing me? I'm going to ask the question again. How many people are indwelled and filled with the Holy Spirit? 
All right, now see, check this out. Man, you just put yourself in a hot seat right now. Because that means if I stop you in the hall out there, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you, where are you serving or where do you want to serve? Let's see if that spirit is really dwelling. Now you can, now you can tell your neighbor, see, I hate when Pastor Vegas preaching. I hate when Pastor Vegas preaching. But it's true. Can you imagine if we all became good listeners? Good appliers, if you will. Really putting the word of God, you know, to work. Can I tell you something? Do you know who's going to benefit? You are. You are. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit working through you? Here's the thing. You know, when it comes to foundation, okay, what Jesus is saying is that you're crazy if you don't realize that a house needs a strong foundation and it cannot be built on sand. Folks, can I tell you something this morning? Write it down. Foundation is not information. Foundation is not made up of information, and it's not even education. How many of you know some educated fools out there? Amen? There's a few. I know many who have a lot of information, but because they did not apply the, that information, it did not become foundation. Because let me just say this. Having a solid foundation, especially a solid spiritual foundation, is one of the greatest blessings you can have from God because it gives us a number of benefits. For example, it really shows us what love is because how many know God is love? Okay? It gives us assurance because the word says if you believe, you have eternal life. It gives us security because the word also says you're in the shadow of the Almighty. Isn't that a great verse, by the way? It gives you confidence to have a strong foundation because the word of God says he is our sufficiency. It gives us knowledge because the word says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. And it gives us boldness because the book of Corinthians teaches us that since we have such a hope, we are very bold. It didn't just say bold. It says very bold. So the difference is your willingness to act according to what Jesus taught. Are we acting upon it? The word of God does not work just because you hear it preached, only when it is applied, okay? And here's something to summarize all this. I might, might read this twice so that make sure you get it in your notes. The wisdom in the Bible is the ability and responsibility to apply the truth of God to the reality of life and in decision-making, making the result a purpose filled, blessed life. I mean, that's a lot if you think about it. But can I tell you something? All that is encompassed in application. I want want to repeat it. The wisdom in the Bible is the ability and responsibility to apply the truth of God to the reality of life and in decision-making, making the result a purpose-filled, blessed life. Now, why do I highlight purpose-filled, blessed life? Because you could have a life of purpose but not be blessed. I'm going to repeat that, and then I'm going to clarify. You can have a life of purpose and not be blessed. Of course, you have to ask the question. Well, then, Pastor, what does it mean to have a purpose that is blessed? When you have a purpose that is blessed, it has eternal value. Because I got news for you. How many know there's a lot of great gifts operating out there without Jesus? Just go to a baseball game. Go to a Yankee game. Go to a giant game. Okay, Go, go to a, a concert. You know, I mean, I don't think Mark Anthony has the greatest voice, but the dude can draw a crowd. Are you hearing me? Hello. Okay. 
So think about all these people that are so gifted, whether it's a financial gift like Bezos of Amazon, okay, or an artistry gift. doesn't matter what, what it is. So they have a purpose. The problem is, unless they have not had an encounter with Christ, it has absolutely no eternal value. That, my friends, is a disaster, which goes to show you that no matter how successful somebody can be, Unless they're doing it for the kingdom of God, it has no eternal value. This is what I mean by having a blessed life, okay? It means that it has eternal value. And can I tell you something? You don't have to be so great to have eternal value. Are you hearing me this morning? Matter of fact, don't compare yourself to anyone. Don't compare yourself to anyone. Can I tell you something? You will find your individual significance the closer you draw to God. You will, in other words, when you find your individual significance as you draw closer to God, can I tell you something? There will be no room for envy, no room for jealousy. As a matter of fact, you will have challenges in life, but you, what, you will go through them joyfully because you know who your partner is. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Say, so don't begin to compare or don't begin to, you know, people think that, man, you know, Pastor Vega or Pastor Sam, whatever, have a great ministry because they are on a pulpit. Can I tell you something? My greatest ministry is sitting before four or five people teaching them the word of God. That for me is complete contentment. Why? Because I'm fulfilling the role that everybody is supposed to fulfill, and that is the role of a disciple. So the big calling for the body of Christ is for us to be disciple makers okay and that's that's your contribution to the kingdom of god but then of course there's dreams okay uh you know isn't it interesting that in the story we're going to find that these guys had dreams but yet they reacted differently to those dreams now going back to the study because i don't want to get too ahead of myself so the foolish so it is foolish to think that our lifetime on this earth is all there is a fool does not apply spiritual truth to the decision of life, okay? How many know that quoting or speaking Christianese, how many there's a lot of people that, that speak Christianese, but that's how they do, okay? Doesn't mean anything unless we take the spiritual truth and apply it to the decisions of life. So what happens is that some Christians, here's the thing, they like to mix the rock with the sand. In other words, they need God, that's the rock, and then they want the sand, which is their way of doing things creating what we call rock sand, right? It's rock sand, but we know that rock sand does not work. The sand is human wisdom and the point of view of man. The rock is the point of view of God on whom one acts because, number two, it's the right foundation that gets you through the storm. It's the right foundation that will get you through the storm. Now, let's go back to our folks in the story, right? Both individuals had one thing in common, okay? The dream to build a house, okay? But here is the interesting thing about these two. Both went to the same church because the word of God says both heard these words of mine. Both lived in the same neighborhood because the word of God says both, okay, were hit with storms and they were hit hard with storms. Both are hearing the same thing. Both are getting hit with the storms. You know, we can almost define storms as negative events that impact your life or an attack on your faith. And I'm going to tell you right now, most of the storms that you're going to experience, whether physical, financial, okay, emotional, whatever you want to call it, 
is an attack on your faith. It is a testing of your faith. Because that's the one area Satan wants to place some doubt in. And you have to be careful, okay? But again, going back to the dream, okay? Watch this. Both can have a dream. Both can listen to Jesus, okay? Both can be in a storm. So, here's a question for all you guys out there. How many of us have dreams? Amen? Let me ask it again. How many of us have dreams? How many of us have Jesus? Only two years. How many of us have Jesus? Oh, okay. There we go. And how many of us go through storms? So, check this out. No exceptions of persons. Everybody's hearing Jesus. Everybody's going through storms. So the question is, what makes the difference? Okay? What made the difference in the story is their foundation. Their foundation. You look at verse 24. One had it on the rock. Verse 26. The other had it on the sand. Foundation is always where you start. Everything is banking on stability. Sand represents something quick, easy, and cheap. Rock will take time. Anybody ever try to drill a rock? Maybe you're, you're trying to get rid of a... Uh, as a matter of fact, I've had this happen to me, okay? Where you see like a little thing that looks like a stone sticking out the ground. And you're saying, oh, I can just dig that up, right? So you start shoveling that thing. Then you realize that stone was about four feet wide. And you're like, oh, man, I'm going to have to bring a jackhammer here, right? See, stone is solid. Stone is rock solid. Hard to penetrate. The problem, I believe, is that many of us, see, want the quick and easy. And that's not the way this works. Sand is a minimal commitment. Fastest way to get it done, cut corners, you know. Let me get my 90 minutes in here, and I'm done until the following week. But you don't put the other ingredients, such as prayer, the study of God's word, serving, and fellowship. I'm talking about real fellowship, which makes for a rock-solid foundation. Now, hear what I'm about to say, okay? You cannot build a rock-solid foundation by yourself, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to have to like you. Go ahead, tell them. No, listen. You cannot build a solid foundation by yourself. And if you think so... I don't know what New Testament you're reading, but it's not the one that Jesus inspired. Because if you read clearly in the New Testament, you're going to find over a hundred commands for us to have real fellowship with each other. And I'm not just talking about church. It has to go beyond what we have here in the octagon, if you will, of this building, right? It's got to go beyond this. So you can't do this by yourself. So when you hear us announcing small group connection groups, you know, areas of serving. We're not trying to put, listen, listen, here comes a revelation. We're not trying to put a burden on you. We're trying to help you with your foundation. Are you hearing me this morning? We're trying to help you with your foundation. Matter of fact, this coming Wednesday in the midweek Bible study, Pastor Santoro will be doing his leadership uh, class that he does or a conference that he does, and he's inviting the whole church. So the whole church is welcome to come uh, to the leadership meeting this Wednesday. Great kick, kickoff for yourself if you want to start serving into the kingdom of God. We expect all the volunteers and all the leaders to be there. But listen, if you're looking to get involved, that will be a great uh, kickoff for you. But you need this. You need the involvement. It is a part of, it becomes a part of your foundation. Okay? You have to put in 
what it would take to make your foundation strong. The problem is folks want God to do big things on a chicken coop foundation. Isn't that so true? Okay. Then you have, check this out. Then you leave church because of a test, a job loss, problems at home, or an issue with someone in church. And it's just one person, but yet you call the whole church hypocrites. Are you hearing me this morning? Right? Have you heard that before? Oh, there's just hypocrites in there. Right? No, I'm not going to that church because it is just full of hypocrites. Yet, you only have an issue with one person. Now, let me show you how ridiculous you look when you use that as an excuse. Are you ready? So, let's say you use that excuse. I'm not going to church because of a hypocrite that's in there. Well, isn't it funny that the hypocrite is still in church and you're not? So it seems to me that the person between you and God is the hypocrite. So that means, here it comes, the hypocrite is closer to God than you are. Turn your nerve and say, ouch, whoo, man. That was a pincher. Yeah. It's called ignorance. And it's hindering you from your real breakthrough with God. Hindrance can be almost like a curse, if you will. If you let it just resonate and just linger there. Because anybody who blames the whole church for somebody, for something, is just lingering. And they're caught in the enemy's cobweb known as deception. God wants to get you out of there. You know why? Because he loves you and he needs you. Are you hearing me this morning? Number three, are we learning anything today? Here it comes. Having sand foundation will cancel out God. Just cancel it out. The storm will pass over you with the right foundation. So what was the difference? Both heard the word, but the wise man acted on them. The fool heard it, but did not act on it. The difference is the the willingness to act on what Jesus taught. That is what makes the difference. God's word does not work just because you are hearing it preached. I don't care how many times you say amen to this sermon. Amen it out there. Are you hearing me? That's when the real, the amen has some type of value or even some type of significance. As a matter of fact, once you bring man's point of view and attach it to God, you just canceled out God. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 15, 6, I'm going to read the second part of that verse. It says, thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. That's why scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. Sometimes you just have to tell self, self Get out of the way. Because sometimes it's self that always gets in the way. And sometimes you need to tell yourself that. It did not become apparent who the fool or the wise man was until the storm came. That's when the reveal came. A storm will reveal the foundation of a believer. And there are many storms that will come into your life. I'm a very, very good, good friend. A friend of mine for almost 35 years who uh, just passed away uh, two days ago with cancer. And she's a trooper, man, battling this thing. She didn't care what the devil wanted to throw at her. She was still serving all the way till her last breath. And I had the privilege and the honor to visit her in the hospital before she passed. Still with that fervent, you know, spiritual military standing where she were don't blame nothing on anyone but content 
with what God has done through her life. See, folks, that is called foundation. That is called foundation. Let me give you another one. So I had to go, I'm going through a transition with my Spanish ushers ministry. The person who was leading it just wanted to take some time off, but not time off from serving. He just said, just time off from leading, but I want to still serve in the usher. Just need somebody to spearhead this thing. So I had in mind somebody. So I approached that person a couple of days ago. And uh, it's funny because you, you remember all those excuses I was giving you? I almost gave her some, right? Because here's the thing. As I approached her, I said, hey, you know what? I, I really feel that you can probably, you're probably the best person that can. Because for me, usher's ministry is very, very important. Because I don't just look at these guys as just ushers. I, I look at them as deacons and ministers. Because if, if there's a fallout going on in the crowd, I'm not going to jump off the stage to deal with it. Are you hearing me? I expect the ushers and the greeters with spiritually renewed minds to handle it. Okay? But here's the thing. So I'm giving her this pitch. And I tell her, look, you know, I know you got to talk it over with your husband. And, and I'm not going to. I don't want you to feel obligated to do this. You know, you know, you think about it. And then get back to me. Let me know what you think. And here, this was her response. Her response was, well, Pastor, here's the thing. I'll give you my answer in two weeks, but the reason why I'm telling you that is because I believe that if a pastor comes to me and asks me to do something, and I know I can do it, I, I, I take that like it's coming right from God. So I'm not saying no to you. I'm just letting you know, give me a couple of weeks to sort some things out, okay, so I can take on this leadership role the way you expect it to be taken on. It wasn't like, let me pray about it. It's not my season. Hello, somebody. Matter of fact, you know what? I think I got a prophetic word for somebody out there. That season excuse is what has you locked down for so, so long. Just locked down. Season, you're waiting for, you know, there's only four seasons in the year. Can I hear any men out there? That's it. Is there a fifth one that I don't know about? Okay. You know, it's not about negotiating with God. Are you hearing me? And if God is asking us to do something, He's not trying to put a burden on us. Look how many people are in this audience. There's about, I want to say maybe about 150, 175, maybe 200. I don't know. So can you imagine if every single one of you were serving the body of Christ actively? You know, some of you guys, if you decide to get into ushering, and we had all the ladies and the men getting involved in that, you might not have to serve for almost four months. Are you hearing me? See? See, when everybody gets involved, the burden gets lighter. That's what this is all about. But it's not about a burden, though. Are you hearing me? It's about foundation. Say foundation. You know why? Because we all need accountability. Everybody needs accountability. You know why you need accountability? Look at your neighbor and tell them, because you're not perfect. Go ahead, tell them. Hello? And you need somebody to encourage you. You need somebody to pray with you. You need somebody to also say, you know, you should not be going that way or this way. I'm not judging you. Are you hearing me? I'm just advising. We all need that kind of accountability. We all need to support each other. That's all part of the foundation. Okay? So a storm will reveal the foundation of a believer. Can I tell you something? Biggest problem with Christians today, they want to fix a foundation during the storm. And that's not the way it works. That's why you panic. Right? You know, you panic when something's going on. You know why you panic? You don't have foundation. Because if you have foundation, you would know that the peace of God still resonates in your life. You would know that no matter where this thing goes, God is still in control. God is still in control. 
Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor, encourage them, tell them God is still in control. Go ahead, tell them. Okay? That's why our position has to be, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord applying God's truth to our lives. Wise men withstood the hurricane. You know, because notice how, you know, I would love for Jesus to write the script of a movie, right? Because, man, he uses a lot of these illustrations, right? Hurricane, storm came. The, the foolish guy's house was in ruin, you know. Wise man up. You guys remember that toy? I don't know exactly what they called it. I know I had one, though, when I was about six or seven years old. The, the, the clown balloon punching bag. You would punch it, it'd go down, but it'd come right back up. Anybody ever have one of those? Oh, praise God, I'm not the only old one here, right? <laughs> okay. All right. But you remember, man, you used to sock the living data, that kind of thing. It's like, boop, come right back up. And then we get mad at it and we kick it. It probably hit the ceiling or whatever, thinking it's going to lay down. Come right back up. When a Christian has a strong foundation, no matter what storm hits you, you might go down for a minute. But you will come right back up. That's what a strong foundation is. Number four. Let's talk about the house for a moment. Okay. House will represent four primary things in our lives. First one is life. Write it down. It's life. And when we talk about life, we're talking about substance. You know, does it have significant value? Is your life going somewhere? It should be going somewhere because you're in Christ. That means you not only have temporary or or earthly purpose, but you have eternal purpose. And can I tell you something? That eternal purpose really becomes alive and resonates as you extend yourself beyond a 90-minute service. Where you're fellowshipping with other believers. Maybe coming to midweek Bible study, meet a few folks. Maybe joining a home group and really minister. Because the whole purpose of you joining a group, can I tell you something? Is that you can minister to each other. Not just share the word of God. Then there's family. Are you investing the kind of spiritual effort to make your family spiritually strong? I mean, we're about to go into Father's Day in a couple of weeks. I think for the men, it's a reflection on how you are spiritually leading your home. Then there's ministry. Are you being effective in the body of Christ? Or are you still finding more creative ways to say that spiritual no? Everybody is called to ministry. That's why when we announce these things, we're not just announcing them. And I really believe, can I tell you something? I really believe some of these ministries that might look simple may be the door that God is waiting for you to go through so he can do something great in your life. You know, whether it's ushering, greeting, even the parking lot, let's say. People might think parking lot is nothing. It all depends on how you approach it. It all depends on how you approach it. I remember my first ministry, those of you who are familiar with the Assemblies of God denomination, we used to have youth groups, right? We didn't have youth pastors back then. We had youth presidents. And the reason why we had youth presidents is because we were elected. Okay, you were elected to that position. Now, thank God, you know, churches are waking up and pastors feeling led to a point because based on, you know, calling, okay, you have the right people leading youth. But back then, presidents or, or leaders of youth groups or youth ministry were elected. That means the pastor was, I mean, the, pre, the, the president was elected, the vice president was elected, the treasurer was elected, and the secretary was elected. Well, guess what was my first job? At 12, I'm sorry, 13 years old, I was elected treasurer of our youth ministry. And I was a militant treasurer. What I mean by that, see, back then, the youth had to come with a quarter. Because, you know, we had, we had, it was called dues. Because we used to have to create our own funds. 
right? So all the youth had to come in. You know, we used to have a, a youth service. And so we all had to come in with a quarter. Now, can I ask a question? Does anybody out there remember those days? Praise God, I'm not alone. Everybody looking at me like, what's, what's he talking about? The quarter. Okay, so here's the thing. Because that was the job. I, didn't, I wasn't inside the sanctuary. I was standing at the door collecting. I was like, you ain't getting in unless I see that quarter. I was a militant treasurer. That was a, matter of fact, maybe that's why God called me to be an accountant for it. Because I went to college and got an accounting degree. But my point is that it's the privilege and just the opportunity to serve. Are you hearing me? When I went to Mount Kisco to pastor a church that I thought, Two things. God has a sense of humor, and I thought God made a mistake sending me and my wife to Mount Kisco because I could hardly speak Spanish. And I encountered a whole new culture. Now, I'm Boricua, but not just any Boricua. I'm a New Yorker Boricua. Are you hearing me? Meaning I was born in Puerto Rico. As a matter of fact, I was born in Santurce, Puerto Rico. However, I grew up here. So for the last 56 years, I've been here. So I'm sent to Mount Kisco to pastor a church that only had three Guatemalans. I don't think I even heard the word Guatemala until I got to Mount Kisco, okay? And then the dialect was a little different. It's not just word for word, you know? So I had to not only learn a whole new language, if you will, or a dialect, but understand our culture. Now, you might think, wow, so, because I used to pastor, a youth pastor in Yonkers, New York. We had 175 teenagers over there, and I went from there to Mount Kisco to pastor three Guatemalans. And you ask yourself, wow, isn't that a step down? No. Because in God's eyes, when he moves you somewhere, no matter how it looks, it's a step up. Are you hearing me? And that might be a word for somebody today. It's a step up. Long story short, before we came to uh, Faith Church, now it's been 11 years. Man, time flies. I've been here for 11 years, you know. They have a th- you know we left it with a thriving congregation, four or 500 people. We bought a nine-acre property in Mount Kisco, New York, Okay. Two congregations, Spanish and English. My point is that it started with three Guatemalan brothers. See, you might think that something looks like a step down, but if God is nudging at you to do something and you trust him, I got news for you. No matter how small it looks for God, for you, it's a step up if you act in obedience. Man, I don't know. That was a word for somebody today. That was not in the notes. It's a step up. So every time I do a small group, see, you know, I, I'm pre- I pretty much influence, without exaggeration, about three to 400 people here at Faith Church. Between the two Bible studies that I do in English, the two Spanish home groups, Spanish congregation here, Spanish congregation in Waterbury. So I, I have a lot of access to a lot of people. And you'd be surprised. Sometimes we'll, we can use that as an excuse, but I still have my little, you know, Tuesday night home group of two families where I'm just ministering to them the word of God. See, something small It's not a step down if God is leading you to do it. It's a step up. Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready for your step up? Go ahead. Ask them. Come on. So let me help you out. Are you ready? Because I got to wrap this up. Are we learning something this morning? Okay. So when it comes to ministry, everyone is called to be in full-time work for the kingdom of God. Everybody is. You know, there's a very small percentage of Christians that derive their livelihood from, let's say, a religious or spiritual institution, right? So you may work in the educational, legal, medical, financial, or some other industry, construction, or landscaping. But no matter who pays your salary, when you became born again, you became a full-time employee for the kingdom of God. 
Everybody, without exception of persons. Everybody became a full-time employee for the kingdom of God. And whatever you, wherever you work, that's your ministry. Wherever you're good at, that is your calling. And can I tell you something? You don't have to be good at something to fulfill the great commission and the great command. Okay? Let's look at this last one for um, point four. Society. Are you making an impact in society and the society that surrounds you? Okay? Here's where the great commission comes in. Okay? Because why not create a society or get involved in the community? You heard our announcement about Serve Day on June 22nd. Please write that date down. Make sure you have it. Matter of fact, I, I, I even uh, encourage you to go to your phones, go to our website, go to events, and sign up. Let me tell you why this is a powerful thing. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, a first time for Faith Church. Basically, the city of New Milford is giving us the keys of their town. So they're allowing us to serve publicly in the open in all these different areas. The whole list, by the way, is in the website. All these different, from landscaping areas to even bringing grocery bags to those that need it at the big Y. So all these different areas, okay, they're saying, you know what, we're going to give you the town. Uh, They're even allowing us to do a gospel concert on the green, okay. We're in control of all this for the whole, well, not the whole day. I think it's only four hours. I think it's like, what, from 10 to 2 or something like that, okay. So this is an area where faith, and I believe that they're ordering T-shirts for everybody who gets involved because we want to see at least 200 faith church people out there letting them know that we're here to be a blessing to our community. Excellent opportunity to impact our society. Now, please don't insult me to tell me, let me pray about it. It's not my season. How long are you going to pray about it? It's June 22nd. After that, what are you going to pray for? Hello? So you notice that there are things that need to be done now. Can you imagine if the rapture were to take place right now and you got to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? What are you going to show for? See? The opportunity is now. It's now. It's now. Take advantage of it. Last thing. The right foundation will not only make you a good listener... But it will make you sensitive to the leading of whom? The Holy Spirit. Remember what I said before. I said, if you are filled and indwelled with the Holy Spirit, we shouldn't have to beg. We should just announce and everybody starts flooding the volunteer lines. Are you hearing me? Flooding to study the word of God, to pray. Midweek should be packed. There should be a time when midweek moves from the cafeteria to the sanctuary. Because so many people are hungry for the word. We should have a hundred small groups operating in homes all over this whole region. But are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit? If you know God is a good, good father who is always on blessing mode, okay, how are you responding to that? Because the response is not just to be blessed. There is, this is where your legacy is going to lie, your spiritual legacy. What is going to be your biography about your life when life has passed you by? What would be written here about you? Will we be reading stories about the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit or stories simply about the things you accomplish for yourself? That's why I challenge you this morning to make it a point to be a good, good listener so you can experience all the things that the good, good Father has in store for you. Did you hear the word of God this morning? Let's stand to our feet.